Matt Stepp. Merry Christmas, buddy. Merry Christmas, Tepper. Tepper and Step, your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends, your amigos, your Christmas, I don't know, Christmas elves? Or your Christmas heroes. Christmas Heroes at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep, Greg Tepper. And I'm the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. And uh, yeah, I guess Merry Christmas. This is like, this is the first time we've ever done one of these episodes on like the week of Christmas. Yeah, because typically, the uh, I guess every year, the UIL State Championships always wrap up uh, the Saturday before Christmas. Sometimes it's... Yeah the 23rd but some you know that's usually when it, when it wraps Ooh. up but uh so, 2020 man ha 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 so that's that's a really interesting thing so uh, so for those who don't know the state champion the season is supposed to be over as originally scheduled the everyone is supposed to be done uh the sched- the state championship were always going to be 16 17 18 19 um of december is that the earliest it can be uh, I, th- I think so. I think I, I saw you mentioned it today, and I'm pretty yeah. sure because I don't think Christmas can be a can be a can be a Saturday. Uh, you know? I think it can, but if it is, they'll they'll play on the 18th. Right? I, it could be a yeah. Little, I guess it could yeah. Be earlier, yeah. Um. Okay. So actually, next year, 2021, Christmas Day is Saturday, meaning we will have one more year where it's really early that. The that uh, knock on wood, the the world gets back to normal ish for next season. Positive thoughts. We're thinking positive thoughts. Yeah, here. positive we're, thoughts. We're, we're a positive podcast today. Hundred percent. It's Christmas. Yeah. Come on. So then we would be walking out of AT and T Stadium uh, at uh, on the evening of Saturday the eighteenth, mm-hmm. um, which would mean that we would have a full week before Christmas. And here's another thing that that means. As I'm just now just now looking forward to 2021 and, and the season that would be, that means that we're going to have dude, a real short off season, real short. Yes. Because yeah. if that's the case, then I bet the first day of, 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 of games is the, is August 26th, which means all we got to do is make yeah. it from January 16th to August 26th. Dude, that's the shortest offseason we've ever had by a large margin. Yeah, that means boy, that means magazine season is going to going to be coming fast and furious. Why, why, why would you say that? We're ha- I thought we were having a positive podcast. <laughs> you don't love putting the magazine together? I mean, come on. <laughs> okay. This is your premium high school football <laughs> podcast. Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. We will have our 6A and 5A regional semifinal draft coming up here in just a moment. But first, we would be remiss, Matthew, if we didn't put a little bow on what we saw this past weekend. Um, you were out there at AT&T Stadium. And I, I, I guess we'll start there. What was the vibe like? Because I was not there. For those who don't know, I was I was in the Fox Sports Southwest studios for the four A, three A, two A, and one A state championship games. What 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 was the vibe out there? You know, it, obviously the uh, crowds weren't as big. Um, no less enthusiastic. There were you know mm-hmm. good crowds there. Um, the spacing obviously you know played a role. I mean, it was different. It was it was it was not the the 
spectacle that it usually is, um, without a doubt. Uh, but I thought once the game's kicked off, and it's been kind of like that all year, once the game kicks off, you kind of lose yourself in the football game and, and, and just enjoy the game for what it is. And for, you know, a few hours, you don't for, you forget that we're in the middle of a global pandemic and it's, it's nice. Uh, so um, other than that, I mean, you know, it was diff- the, um, the press box scene was different. Everything was kind of prepackaged. Uh, the, the mafia was spread out in the press box, much like they were in the bleachers. Um, media couldn't go on the field. So I wasn't able to have my pregame uh, say my pregame hellos to the coaches that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So um, it was definitely a different vibe, but uh, I'm definitely glad that the games got played. Uh, that's the overall, you know, it's, this isn't perfect. This isn't what we want to have, but state championships are being decided. It's still, it's maybe not as awesome as it usually is, but it's still pretty awesome. Yeah, that's, um. well, you know, I could kind of tell, you know, through the, um, through the state championships and stuff like that, you know, through, through the telecast, like I could just tell like, you know, it was, it was a little bit of more of a dull roar as opposed to, and, and I would say that really the only place that I noticed a smaller crowd was probably with the four, a games. Um, the three, a games, I think probably had, you know, maybe a slightly smaller crowds than normal. Jim, Jim, that Hallettsville had a great crowd. That was a really good crowd. Yeah. I I think part of it was the, the neutral wasn't there Mm -hmm. in full force. That's the cool thing about state championships is the, is the neutral fan. Um, just parks all day and watches and, and it, it gets, you know, it gets to be a really cool, the crowds kind of build on each other, but especially on, on Friday, they cleared, they completely cleared the stadium. So people, you know, you had to buy, if you wanted to see both games, you had to buy two separate tickets. So, um, it was yeah. definitely a different vibe. Um, and, and, it, but in the end they were, especially Thursday night, Thursday night was awesome. It was a great night of football. Yeah. Well, and speaking of which, let's talk about those games because we were sitting here and and we didn't we didn't say it out loud because it's that's not that's not fair and that's not what we should do, but we were having private conversations about how of the six eleven man games, we were looking at it, we we're like boy, if we get two good ones that'd be great, that'd be yeah. that'd be really yeah. really nice. We were and uh, we were worried. <laughs> instead, we had. What I I said this on TFT. We had the most fun twenty seven hours of state championships that we've had in a long time. Yeah, we had three certified bangers and one game that was really good, and, and a folk hero emerged, uh, and Doug Brooks from Shiner. So uh, if he hadn't already emerged as a folk hero, he is now a folk hero. There's no question about it. Um, yeah, it it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. And we when we walked in Friday, it was kind of like. Uh, Last year, when we walked into the state championships, because as good as the that last day on 2018 was with Longview, Longview, Westbrook, and North Shore, Duncanville, we walked into the press box in 2019 and were like, "Man, we were so spoiled last year. Uh, let's just any anything we get this year is great." We still got some good games last year. So yeah. um, this year, after Thursday, you know, we walked me and I walked into the press box and Pickle and and Will are there, and I'm like, "Well." Anything we get, we get that's good today is just gravy because I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting yesterday, and of course we didn't get anything good Friday because Friday they got a couple of uh, real, real, real lopsided results, and those mm-hmm. just don't make for as I mean they're fun for the schools that are winning, but it doesn't make yeah. it f- fun for neutrals like us. Well, and that's kind of the funny thing is I look at, um, like I think I look at those pretty much. 
all, the, all four of those games, two, the, all, both two A games and both three A games. And I think I'm going to remember those games for a long time, like all four of them for, you know, for different reasons. I'll remember them. Um, I think I'll even remember. I think maybe it's just because uh, like you get to witness the, the machine that is Carthage. I think I'll even remember the Carthage, like lar- like uh, decent parts of that Carthage Gilmer game, even though that was just that was a blowout. Um, like that was, you know, to me, those those games were very memorable. Argyle, Argyle, Lindale, that that that's just such a vintage Argyle game of like yeah. of just, we jump on you and then we just squeeze the life out of you. Yeah, it's exactly and, what they did in the semifinals against Canyon, where they jumped out on Canyon real big, and Canyon, you know, made it a little bit more competitive later. That game was fundamentally over by halftime and Argyle Lindale was fundamentally over by halftime as yeah, well. So I mean I know. just you know, pure dominant pure dominance from Carthage and Argyle. Would have loved to seen Carthage and Argyle play. I think that would have been a ton of yeah. fun. But you know both are both both programs are very worthy champions. Yeah. Um I you know we, we had we had like the big upset, like the huge upset. And and I guess like I I I wonder it's it's funny whenever I declare a game you and I declare a game like an upset I think I always expect pushback but I don't know about you I think everybody was like yes this is a huge stunner that Winthors is beating Mark like that seemed like pretty shocking to everybody even like you know we talked with Chris Tackett today at, at Winthors and it's like he he's not gonna say that he's surprised but like. I think that I think that he knew that they were going into there as underdogs, and and that they and that they had to play basically a perfect game to win that game. And dang it, if they didn't, they yeah. played a perfect game. They really did. They were they just did everything right. They took full advantage of some Mart mistakes, and I think they put in Mart they put Mart in some situations that they weren't used to, and they hadn't been in, and 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 Winthorpe had been in a lot of close games, and and it was nothing new for them. So. Um, it was a great performance from the Winthorst Trojans. It's, it's, you know, it sucks for Mart and Roger L. Freeman because he was such a great player. But, you know, you give, in, in this case, you give full credit to Winthorst. They went out and won that game. Yeah, they did. Um, you know, we saw the, the, the full hero emerge with Doug Brooks at China. Uh, Would have really loved to see, and I'm not, I'm not saying post wins that game if Sladen Piven doesn't get hurt, but I would, ju- I would love to see if, if that team at full strength, because I think it is, it's at least a different ball game. I think it would have been a fun game. I think I think yeah. I think I think Shiner still wins, but I think it would have been a fun. I, I think it might have been added right. to the to the banger list for sure. Yeah, uh, and then you had Canadian and Franklin, which that might be like like for all we're talking about, Winthorst and Mart. Like the fact that Franklin and Canadian came down to the final snap, basically, like is. Is incredible. Like that. Like you and I had kind of penciled that in. as like, boy, that could get really ugly for Franklin. And dang, if they didn't, they didn't lure Canadian into their game and very nearly beat them at the end. Yeah, they played great. They, they I think, I think Franklin really started to wear Canadian down mm-hmm. uh, in the second half, and, and and that just shows how good this Franklin ball club was. But credit to Canadian, they showed a lot of heart and grit uh, making that play at the end of the game after Franklin. You know, we thought may have won the game there with that touchdown. A Canadian comes right back and hits him with the deep pass to win the game. Um, it was a that was a really really good ball game and a back and forth game. It started out a little slow, but man, once that once that thing got rolling, it got good in a hurry. It did. Yeah, those final eight minutes were really really fun. Uh, and then there was uh, and then there was Jim Net which I mean, 
which is the one like, we expected. We expected that one to be good, and it lived up to the hype. It did. It lived up to the hype. And and yeah, I had other people saying like, "Man, Jim Ned over Halter, like what an upset." And I'm like, mm, I thought that was a. We we kind of talked about that. We were on opposite sides of that game. We were. And yeah. and and I think that 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 kind of tells you we kind of thought that was a fun like i would I, you you took hallettsville i don't think you're surprised jim ned won i no. took jim ned i wouldn't have been surprised if hallettsville won was, i mean was, that was a close ball game they played a three-point ball game earlier in the year and it was a one-point game in overtime in the state championship those are two really evenly matched ball clubs but i think jim ned uh with two wins i think showed they're 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 just a little bit better and i yeah. thought i thought they wore hallettsville down i thought they were clearly the fresher team uh late in the game and, and man xavier wishart and and, and He's got a guy's got a motor that I that I've never seen, and, and Tate Yardley made some big throws in key moments. He uh, did. He made some big boy throws. I, I think Jim Ned just had a you know, Palisville was very was pretty much Jonathan Brooks. Let's just see how far he can take us. Where Jim Ned had a you know had a few more weapons and a few more guys who can make plays, and I think that was the difference. It, it was it was a remarkable. And then we had we mentioned the Carthage game. Um, you know, credit look credit to Gilmer. Uh, they came out. And they had a very clear game plan to knock Carthage off balance, and it worked. Mm-hmm. At least, like you know, from the beginning, then it just made him mad. But then, man, dude, that's it was shot that, that that was the one of those deals where even though it was a blowout, it was a pleasure to watch to see to yeah. see a team. We, what we were watching was greatness in front of our eyes. And, it was, and, and so you have to appreciate that to a certain extent. And you know, I I went out there on Fox and I told I told the whole world that. Uh, Scott Surratt's the greatest Texas high school football coach ever. And I, I, you know, I didn't receive a ton of pushback. Coach Ken Purcell said, you just made a bunch of enemies. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. I think everybody looks at, and I think they like, you can recognize greatness when you see it. And I, I mean, the man, the man has eight titles in 13 years. Yeah. I mean, what do you, you know, he's still got a lot of coaching left in him and he's probably going to win a few more. I mean, there's, there's no reason to think he won't be in contention for a state title again next year. I mean, at some point, yeah. the number of I mean, state titles just has to just be so over. You know, I mean, he's done he's done it so in such a short. I mean, the, Scott Surratt's got a good if he wants fifteen years of coaching left in him easily, if not more. And you know, yeah, and as long as he stays in Carthage, there's no and, doubt that uh, uh, he could win two, three more. Well, and there was um, he mentioned this. Um, that he's got a oh he mentioned like he so he's got a, he's got a, a son I think his son is in seventh grade I think that's right yeah yes his son's, son's in seventh, seventh grade, grade. Yep. so so minimum five more years because he's not gonna leave he wants you know wants coach a kid so he's got a minimum of five more um uh you know five more years there so I mean yep. enjoy that and Carthage brings um, Carthage brings back brings back nine starters on defense and. The second team Jesus. offense when they when they brought them in uh, late in the game they they looked pretty good to me so golly okie dokie uh, here's here's a new flash for you Carthage is probably going to be ranked number one next year in four A Division two I would bet that's probably right um, and then we you know we mentioned the Argyle game uh, I think that the story of Tito Bice is really great uh, a kid who really had to battle through adversity. Uh, and, and, and the knee injury and he got his big, his big, uh, spotlight moment. Uh, I thought CJ Rogers was sharp. I thought the defense was very impressive. I thought that this was, I thought this was vintage, like what we've thought of Argyle basically since 
you know, really since they beat La Vega the first time around where we were like, okay, this is different. Like this is a different team and, and they are very well-rounded and, and you know, the, we still don't know. Like the, the question we went into it was how do you, how do you attack Argyle? And, uh, we'll never know, you know, cause like nobody figured out how to attack. No one figured it out this year. That was a, that, you know, Argyle comes out and just, Blitzes Lindale early and just Lindale wasn't in the game really. I mean, Lindale, there's some window dressing late, but that game yeah. was like effectively over at halftime. That was just Argyle up front is just so good on both sides of the ball. And then they've got, you know, a lot of playmakers, you know, um, Cash Walker, Colker, Patrick out wide, mm-hmm. Tito Bice, CJ Rogers, Jasper Lott. Um, there's, they're, there's, they're so balanced and so, so deep. And so um, this has been impressive. You know, Argyle, I think, has got one more. One more run in them next year um, in 4A, and then they're probably next alignment going up to a class 5A. So, yeah, uh, that'll be interesting. That will be. But in any case, there's your state championship uh, review. Uh, if you missed it, uh, the 1A Division Two state championship game has been postponed. We're still waiting on a new date for Richland Springs and Palmeray, but it sounds like it'll probably be played somewhere out there, neutral site-ish. Uh, San Angelo-ish area. Uh, and then uh, Sterling City runs away from May for the 1A Division One state championship game. And again, that, that kind of got marred by there were a couple of injuries from, from May that really cost their depth. And then Sterling City with Cross Canadian and company were able to run away and Mercy rule the Tigers for their state first state championship. So there you go. That is all the state championship coverage that you need uh, because I know you are tuning into this podcast to find out who won the state championship games. Yes. Well, there you go. We told you. Okay, let's move on to 6A and 5A. Um, I guess, real quickly, because I do want to get to our draft, but quickly, when I take a look at the 6A and 5A results from the past week, from the area round, I thought that you had a couple of teams that really made some some big statements. Mm-hmm. Uh most notably Longview with their really impressive win over Lancaster. Yep. Uh, you also had, um, I would say, not a huge upset, but definitely an upset with Timberview beating Ennis. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's number one. Ennis, Ennis had been our number one team in yeah, all year, all year from, from the preseason all the way up to now. So, yeah, definitely an upset there. Um, I thought what impressed me was Austin Westlake just destroying Smithson Valley mm-hmm. like they did. I mean, I thought Westlake was a favorite in that game didn't see 62 to 3 coming um just gonna be honest with you there um yeah didn't see that coming and uh katie tompkins just complete annihilation of cy fair i mean that was like that was a game i was over with at halftime and i understand cy fair's best player was out with an illness um couldn't play i clearly it wasn't covid because he was on the sidelines uh but you know lg johnson did not play um in that game and then uh when you turn when you have three turnovers returned for touchdowns in the same quarter it's not going to go well, but Tompkins just ran away from Cy Fair and dominated. Um, that was, you know, a big surprise. And I thought Crosby throwing up yeah. 62 on Texas high was really, that's a really good Texas high defense. And Crosby with um, uh, Deniquez Dunn and, um, oh gosh, the other, the, um, the wide receiver running back, the kind of, right? Reggie Branch, I believe is that. His yeah, name. Reggie um, Branch. They put up, they threw up 600 yards on Texas high and 62 points. Really impressive from uh, Jerry Preto's squad there to, to get that win over unbeaten Texas high team. Um, that was, those were kind of some things that jumped off the page at me. 
Yeah, it, it it was a, you know, we were kind of keeping an eye on it. Obviously, we were a little bit distracted, especially Thursday and Friday. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was a good week of, of, of a variety of different results there. You know, one thing I will say, and maybe, I don't know if we're going to talk about this game a little bit later, uh, but, you know, one thing we had questions about going into this week was we thought that this was more or less a referendum on West Texas. Uh, at the 6A, 5A ranks. And uh, I got to be honest, it feel it feels like a disappointing year for West Texas. Abilene, I know, is still alive if you want to consider big country to be West Texas. But um, but overall, overall, it was it was not pretty for West Texas whenever they met DFW. No, not at all. Um, you know, it, there was some bad luck there. You know, San Angelo, Central, um, going down to Eaton. You know, uh, Malachi Brown, Central's quarterback, is, you know, basically his appendix ruptures the morning of the game, and he's on a table having surgery. Uh, and so San Angelo Central throws in a sophomore quarterback who literally had no reps all week. And yeah. says, hey, you're starting this area-round playoff game. So some bad luck there for San Angelo. Um, wish that would that game would have happened with Malachi Brown healthy because he was a great player for them. I ho- definitely hope he's doing better now uh, after his appendectomy. Um, and, uh, you know, Permian, they just ran into a buzzsaw in South Lake Carroll. That game wasn't close, um, regardless of what the Odessa Permian Twitter account thinks with the referees. That's so <laughs> weird. I Dude. don't understand. Like the last two years in Permian, like last year, that, that Twitter account was railing on the refs when they were down by 50 against Arlington Martin. I'm like, hey, newsflash, it ain't the refs. They're yeah. just better than you. It's weird. But anyway, uh, but uh, Midland Lee, I was at the Midland Lee Trinity game Saturday night. That was kind of you know the, the once, and that was a fun Saturday night ball game at, the, at Globe Life Park. Midland Lee races out to a thirty-five fourteen lead, and Trinity roars back in the second half and, and wins fifty-six to forty-nine. Um, the uh, the 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 marbles on their play caller for calling a halfback pass with eleven seconds left on the near the goal line for the winning touchdown was. Was impressive. That was a fun ball game. And Trinity, when's the last time Euless Trinity threw for over three hundred yards in a ball game? Jeez, had they ever done that? I can't. I, I I I don't know if they've ever done that in school history. That, that may be like pre line weaver. <sighs> yeah, you know? I, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know if they did it under Ed, Ed Hickman. I mean, they were pretty much in a run yeah. orient. That's that's incredible. So uh, great job by Trinity. It was a great ball game. Uh, so Midland Lee made a good accounting of themselves. Just fell a little bit short. But yeah, um, you know El Paso in the five A level struggled. They're they're um, you know, no teams pa- advancing to the second pass the second round for the third year in a row out of El Paso, and this year they had some difficulties. Understandably, uh, same thing down in South Texas in the Rio Grande Valley and Laredo, but they still do have uh, Sherland Pioneer and Laredo United South uh, still alive. But um, overall, it was, a, it was a good weekend of football. And now, you know, for these next four weeks, we get to focus on the the big schools and kind of give them give them the uh, our, our undivided attention. Now, did you see the Laredo United South mission finish? Uh, I saw where United South ran like a trick play to score. Uh, uh, I think to tie yeah. it up late or something. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. That was, that was a pretty yeah. really well designed trick play. Wild, wild finish down there. Anyway, all right, there you go. That's uh, that's some some area around talk. We're already twenty three minutes into this podcast, so good for us. All right, let's get on to our uh, regional semifinal draft. This is your first episode of Tap and Step. Welcome. Here's how it works. Step and I go back and forth selecting games that we are most interested in. Uh, there are what? 32 games this week. 32 games this week. Yeah. 32 games. So any of the 32 are on the board. Once they're selected, they're off the board. We will go back and forth selecting for three different rounds. 
had a coin flip before the game or before the show, rather. Matt Step won the coin flip, and as a result, I'm on a roll. He gets one one of this uh, draft. So, Step, what is your first pick? I'm going to go with the easy pick here. Uh, One o'clock Thursday at Legacy Stadium in Katy, as the ten and zero Katy Tompkins Falcons take on the twelve and zero North Shore Mustangs. And for the second week in a row, I think Tompkins is in kind of the the game of the week position in the state of Texas. Um, Last week, like I said, they scored 38 points in the second quarter and blitzed Cy Fair. Uh, 51 to 28 and with the three defensive touchdowns uh, on the defensive side of the ball they really didn't have to do much off on offense Jalen Milrow in the offense only had about I think uh, you know 280 yards offense for the game which is pretty pretty pedestrian not much but they were they were up so big they just kind of went into their let's just kill the clock mode at this point um, so they really had to do much. They're going to have to show up this week. Marquis Shoulders, Sherman Smith, Shanique Shoulders is committed to Tulsa, um, and then Milrow obviously committed to Alabama. They're going to have to show up this week because they are they are going up against a juggernaut in the North Shore Mustangs, who back to back state champions. They are led by uh, the incomparable uh, Demetrius Davis, who signed with Auburn despite the coaching change, um, and Shadrack Banks, the A and M commit, and a massive offensive line that is just full of road graders who are angry and like to pancake people. So mm-hmm. uh, that matchup, the North Shore offense against the Tompkins defense is going to be a lot of fun to watch because Tompkins has had one of the better defenses in the Houston area uh, recently. Um, North Shore last week, undefeated Pearland Dawson. They, they make quick work of them, 38-7 to win. Um, you know, Davis had a big game. Shadrack Banks had a touchdown. You know, they're moving Banks around a lot this year. They're putting him at running back and receiver. They kind of just – move him all all over the place and it's making North Shore a real tough matchup to to game plan and prepare for because you just don't know what they're going to do with their personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, North Shore's been in these big moments. And I know Tompkins is not a stranger to the playoffs. They went to the third round two years ago. Last year lost in the area playoffs. They, they've been through the battles here. Um, and then you get the sidebar with the, the kind of the Iron Bowl quarterback matchup with the Auburn quarterback going against the Alabama quarterback. But North Shore's been in these big moments before. You know they're going to be in a hostile environment in Katy. It's if if there weren't COVID restrictions, I think this game would be at NRG Stadium in front of about twenty five thousand people. Uh, but with the COVID going on, you know the restrictions in place because of COVID nineteen, I don't think they're going to. It's going to be quite as hostile an environment over at Legacy Stadium. Um, so I think North Shore wins. They've been in these big moments. I like the Mustangs. I think they're the favorite to win the state title. I do think this is a low-scoring game early on. I think Tompkins' defense is good enough to push North Shore. But yeah. in the end, I think North Shore is just a little more dynamic defensively. I think they're a team on the defensive side of the ball where we had some questions early in the year. I think the Mustangs' John Kay squad is really starting to round into form. No, I think so. And I think that this is a team that, that's getting better each week. And you know, one thing that I think is interesting about this from a big-picture perspective is we've talked a lot about how North Shore is on the dirty side of that region. Um, and and if they win this game, uh, who's, the, who's the other regional semifinal? Tascacita um, and Ridgepoint. I mean, okay. Uh, they've already beaten a Tascacita by 50. Yep. Um, and then Ridgepoint. Well, let's put it this way. I think a Tascacita will be favored over Ridgepoint. I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Um, and so then you're talking about like really in a lot of ways, th- there's a real argument to be made. These are the two best teams in the region that are mm-hmm. left. And so it'll be very interesting. You know, one thing I want to see is can North Shore get Xavier Owens and Davian Ford going? Can they get the running game going besides Davis? I mean, yes, of course, Demetrius Davis is dangerous, but can they get the running game going besides Davis? If they do that, like that offense starts becoming 
impossible to stop. Yes, exactly. Like that, you got to make them one dimensional. Uh, but I mean, man, everywhere you look, this team's got weapons, and that defense is really playing well. It's hard to pick against North Shore. Although, look, the, uh, what you saw from Tompkins' defense last week is very impressive. Now they're going from Cypher is not one dimensional. But they definitely are a team that has they, they, an idea. They definitely lean in one way. I'll tell right. you that. They, they lean North Shore way. doesn't. Yeah. This is a different animal. And so it'll be really interesting. But look, nor, uh, they've played You know, they've played big games before. They've played in these big games. They, they played a big game earlier this year against Katie and before I'm down. So uh, interesting, interesting game. All right. I like that game a lot. Okay. My pick. Do I dare stay in the Houston area? No, I don't. Matt Step, let's go 2 p.m. Saturday. Oh, by the way, I guess we should mention there are no games Friday. Um, I, I got asked, you know, Rick Renner texted me. He's like, hey, big fellow, how many games are on Friday? And I'm like, none. The UIL's declared it a dead day. Uh, so, no, <laughs> there's only games on Thursday and Saturday. Um, let's talk 2 p.m. Saturday at Comalander Stadium in San Antonio as the Austin Vandergrift Vipers take on the San Antonio Brennan Bears, Bears, and the um, if if you want to tell me that this is the regional title game, uh, I'll I'll definitely listen. Uh, yeah, um, I think so. I mean, the other side is Hayes, who hey, shout Hayes, um, and then San Antonio Taft, who you know, God bless them, but they're here via forfeit, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think the winner of this game is going to be pretty clear favorite in the regional final, Absolutely. and it's. And and in a wide open bracket, here comes here comes a team in Vandegrift that if you were to pin me down and ask me who's the best team in the region, I think I'd say it's the Vipers because their defense is so good. Like their defense, and that's always been the Drew Sanders calling card, but their defense is just exceptional. It's really, really good. But... Here's the problem, and why I'm getting a little bit gun shy with Vandegrift is, um, I mean, you have to score at some point. Yes, and they have had real struggles moving the football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've it's got putting, some playmakers. A lot of pressure on that defense. Yeah, they're putting a lot of exactly. pressure on the defense. I think that they've got a little bit a running game with Bowen Lewis and Ryan Shepard that's pretty solid. But like, it's just they are not they're not very explosive. They are, they basically want to win games 21 7, you know, something like that. Um, now, their defense, we should, we should mention, their defense has been tremendous. It's been really good with Austin Scogland um, and uh, Michael Mastro de Casa, I should say, uh, and, 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 you know, guys like that, like Ty Jordan and stuff. They've been really, really good, but it's, they've also had to be, like, they had to be excellent last week uh, against against Roosevelt. Um, yep. Yeah, they did. So the question now becomes, can the offense get enough going? And what do they do with San Antonio Brennan? Cause this is a Brennan team that I'm not here to tell you that they're the biggest, most dynamic offense of all time, but they're pretty solid. They're a pretty solid offense. And, and I think that this yeah. sophomore quarterback, Ashton DeBose has really grown up. Um, he was yeah, he got really thrown in last year. He got thrown in last year as a freshman and was mm-hmm. in a in a little over his head. But you you know I watched a good portion of their highlights against Edinburgh Vela, and that looked like a uh, that looked like a veteran quarterback. He'd been through yeah. the battles and was very confident in what he was doing. 
Yeah, and, and, and by the way, that's not even to mention that, yeah, you know what? Their defense, pretty solid. Now, Brennan, and that's another thing, is that, you know, that's, uh, you know, the coach Coach Bazer it, it always has a great defense, and they've got another one, right? So, a lot of, a, basically, like, I hate to put this on one unit, but, like, a lot of this comes down to whether or not the Vandegrift offense shows up in any sort of meaningful way. If they show up like they did last week against Roosevelt, like they're done, they're toast because they're going to lose a game like 28, 14, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because you can't continue to put that kind of pressure on your defense that they have to make stops or else you're going to lose. But if they can run the ball, if they can establish themselves, and by the way, it's also worth mentioning that generally speaking at the six, a level, when Austin has met San Antonio, Austin has won. Yes. Now, a lot of that that's tilt that's tilted heavily because of Lake Travis and Westlake. For sure. Yep. But but the fact of the matter is that the Austin has had San Antonio's number generally over the past couple of years. And Vandergrift, I think I think can make a case that aside from Lake Travis and Westlake, they're right there in six A, yeah. the third best team in the area. Absolutely. And so can they get that offense going? If they get the offense going, game on. That's the big question. But if you're, I think if you're, if you're uh, Brennan, I think it's real easy. The easy thing is you jump out on top and you make Vandegrift chase because they're probably just not going to chase you down. Like that's that's the name of the game. Um, and yeah, the winner of this game, I think it's, I think this is a super physical game. Um, and if you like, again, low scoring slugfests, this is the game for you, but I like Brennan, man. I like the way that they're playing right now. I think they're probably the strongest, most consistent team in that region right now. And I think it's probably theirs to lose. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Those, those takes, that's that I picked Brennan to win this game. I think their, their, their defense is a little bit underrated. And I think, I do think you're going to see a low scoring slugfest, but I think Brennan's a little more dynamic offensively with Dubose. And I think they'll find a way scratch out an extra score or two late and get the win. It's going to be fun. All right. What is your second pick, Matthew? Well, speaking of offense, uh, can I interest you in an offense, Tepper, that scored 10 touchdowns on their first 10 possessions last week? I think I know who you're talking about. As the Red Oak Hawks <laughs> take on the Lubbock Coronado Mustangs 1 o'clock Saturday at Memorial Stadium in Wichita Falls. And that's right, folks. Lubbock Coronado last week scored on their first t- touchdowns on their first 10 drives last week as they just dismantled Azel. And that score, 77-43, to 43, does not represent how lopsided this game was. Because I called you on yes. my way, I, after I left Cedar Hill and Tyler Legacy and I was driving the Globe Life for the Midland League Trinity game, I called you and was like, are you seeing what's going on in Lubbock, Coronado, and Azel? And you were like, no, I'm still in the post, post-state championship fog, Hadn't really, didn't really look. And I said, yeah, it's 56-7 to seven at half. And you were like, what? And I was like, yeah. They love Coronado well, with, with, you know, Sawyer Robertson and that offense, we know that offense is really good and we know they can score points, but that the, the efficiency they're operating right now is just at stupid levels at the moment. And then you throw that in with their defense, which is playing really well, holding Azel to seven first half points. And that's how you get a, a total blowout. Don't, mm-hmm. don't let that 43 points fool you. That was a lot of garbage time touchdowns against Coronado's second and third teamers uh, that Azel got. Um, but they're they're going to test this week because Red, Red Oak is a different kind of test because of the speed, the athleticism, and the physicality that Coach Michael Quintero's ball club plays with. They are Red Red Oak is a fast and physical ball club. Last week, you know, now I, I will admit though, they started out slow last week against El Paso del Valle, and I don't know if the travel impacted them at all because 
Red Oak has I don't I can't tell you the last time Red Oak traveled outside the Metroplex for a football game because they haven't been a team that's, that's played deep in the playoffs, and they're traditionally not in Region One. Mm-hmm. So they had to go all the way to Big Spring and play El Paso Del Valle, and for the first twenty four minutes they were a little sloppy, and it was fourteen to six at the half. But whatever the coaching staff said to their kids at halftime worked. They outscored Del Valle forty four nothing in the second half to to roll fifty five to six. Uh, a Marion Craddock back-to-back interceptions in the second half kind of got things going. And this sophomore running back, Iverson Young, uh, had a big day, 223 yards and a touchdown. And then their uh, Oklahoma State commit, Raymond Gay, wide receiver, uh, two touchdown receptions as well. Uh, it was a real team effort uh, from the Red Oak Hawks in this ballgame. Um, but they're going to have that defense especially is going to have to bring it, trying to slow down uh, Mississippi State commit Sawyer Robertson in this Lubbock Coronado um, offense that's that's you know they scored 82 last week and 77 the week before so they're averaging uh nearly 80 points a game in the playoffs oh, okay but yeah. besides but besides that the offense has been o- only okay right yeah 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 just decent so <laughs> um that's the thing is red, Oak, red oak's going to have to try to run the football and keep coronado's offense off the field um i think this is coronado's year in region one they they they, they strike me as a team to beat and I, I like them in this game on Saturday in Wichita Falls. I, I think they've got um, enough to hold off what will be a tough challenge from Red Oak, though. Yeah, this is going to be, again, like a lot of this, I think, comes down to because Red Oak, as good as they've been. And I do think that um, I do think that their their offense is really pretty, pretty solid. You you do not you just simply don't want to get into a firefight with them right now. Like you have to make stops, and I think you've got to turn them over. Yep. Like that's what they've got to do. And 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 now the Red Oak defense and and they, you're right, they're physical. Like they hit you in the mouth. Can they do that? And and you know, it's worth mentioning. Yes, Lubbock Coronado hung seventy seven on Azel. Azel's not a defensive juggernaut. Let's be no. let's be be free be clear about that. They are yeah. not this is they didn't they didn't do this against 83 Dangerfield. You know what I mean? They did this against 2020 Azel, which is going to go down as a very average defense, right? I mean, that's at, fair. At best. At best. This is this is a much better defense. And this is the best defense they've seen in the playoffs so far. And one can make an argument it's the best defense they've seen since they played Cooper. Is that right? Uh probably Tascosa. Tascosa, yeah, probably since yeah. then. So my question is, can the it can Red Oak make a couple of stops early and let them know that to Coronado, this ain't gonna be like it was last week. You're not scoring think, you're not scoring 70 on us. You're not putting 70 up on us. Yeah. So I think that's the, the 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 first couple of possessions. Like if this game is 14-0 after three possessions for Coronado, then it's like, okay, Coronado's got the they got the juice. Mm-hmm. But if it's if it's scoreless or Red Oak's up seven nothing or something like that, then it's like that's exactly where Red Oak wants to be. So really interesting matchup there. All right. I'm going to go. Where am I going to go? I'm going to go 11 a.m. I think you're going to be at this game. 11 a.m. Thursday at Globe Life Park in Arlington. I, I, f- I feel a little bad because um, we mentioned it. Uh, we were doing highlights of like, uh, I guess it was probably Allen and South Grand Prix, which by the way. SGP almost pulled that off. By the way, do we have any sort of uh, any sort of concerns about Allen? A little bit, a little bit. We'll if if Air Trinity shows up, you never know. I mean, hey, <laughs> if, if 
if that wild ass passing game of Chris Jensen and the Trinity Trojans shows sure. up, who knows? You know, because noted noted well, high flying attack. Yeah, the <laughs> noted high, yeah, the noted noted aerial assault of the Trinity yeah. Trojans. Right. Anyway, we were, I think we were doing either Allen or Alito highlights, and I I mentioned it. on the on the station that broadcasts Rangers games. I was like, let's go to Globe Life Park where the Rangers used to break my heart. It's like, I was like, I was like, I don't, uh, it came out of my mouth and I was like, I don't know if that was the smartest career move. But no. anyway, it's truth though. All right. 11 a.m. Thursday. You're, 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 you're a journalist. You're a man of truth. I'm a capital gem, a truth teller. Yeah. I'm a fearless truth teller. It's the unbeaten Lovejoy Leopards. I say for my money, the most under the radar unbeaten team in the state. Either them or Tom Ball Memorial, right? Yeah. Right. Those are the two unbeatens going up against the giant killers in Mansfield Timberview. And first of all, shout out Timberview. Um that RW Rucker was really good for them, their quarterback, and he's been very solid for them. Or I'm sorry, that's that's for Lovejoy. Yeah, yeah. But but Timberview he, he's the one who broke my yeah. heart, who, who who torched my Bulldogs oh, last year. Right. You're so. beloved you're beloved Bulldogs. But let's talk about Timberview because Timberview um they ran for four hundred yards on um, 400 yards on Ennis. Okay, that's a good Ennis front seven. That's like the the reason we picked them to win a state championship mm-hmm. is because of that front. But they ran for. Let me pull this up from according to our friends Dustin News. Yeah, they ran. I'm sorry, they ran for 326. They ran for 326 on Ennis. I mean, astonishing stuff there, and they were lighting it up. Uh, Deuce Jones was great. Simeon Evans was great. Their co- uh, they were both they were just both really solid. And the defense came up with a big plays. Three turnovers, plus three in the turnover margin. That's how you spring the upset. That's like the that's the blueprint for James Brown squad. Well, now they get Lovejoy, and we mentioned that Lovejoy is under is underrated because may, this team's really good. Like I don't know what it's going to take for people to uh, to realize it. Like maybe. Maybe it's just you know, maybe it's this week. I think it's like, this week. I think I think if, I think if Lovejoy comes out and beats Timberview, I think that's when everyone's going to finally realize how how you know that this team is is legit. I I, I think they're legit. Um, you know they have a win over, over Frisco, which, yeah. which is it's not nothing. They, they beat Frisco and Denison, so they, they've they've got a couple guess, of nice wins, and they beat you know Everman in, in the second round of the playoffs. So they've they've got some nice wins starting to build up. This is going to be their biggest test of the year. I think. Yeah, because I guess that's it. I guess that the part of it is that. You go back to who have you beaten, and it's like Denison and Fr- Frisco is very clearly their best one of the year, um, and then it's probably Denison, and then it's probably your beloved Bulldogs. Yeah. But look, people, including us, I think whenever Chris Ross left Red Oak to go to Lovejoy, I think there were people who are like, "What is he doing? Why, like, why is he going to Lovejoy? Like, he's got a good thing cooking at Red Oak. Why would why would he leave?" Well. He's got to do you know why it is? In, in my opinion, I think he's just a builder. Like, I don't think he's a guy who sits around and is like, oh, okay, I'm just going to enjoy the fruits of my labor. I, mm-hmm. I think he wants the next challenge. Yeah. And he's, he's unbelievable. I had, I had a head coach in the area, uh, not far from Lovejoy, who had been, he was like, hey, you know, since we didn't make the playoffs this year, I've been going over and just watching Lovejoy practice. He goes, I have a buddy on coaching staff. I just go over there and watch them practice every week i sit in on their meetings i'm on the sideline he's like he goes i've never been as impressed with the head coach and his staff as i've been with lovejoy staff 
So it's pretty high wow. praise from this guy. So yeah, well, it's R.W. Rucker, it's Matthew Maynard, it's Reed Westervelt, their receiver, who has been crazy, crazy good. And look, they have been excellent this year and absolutely excellent this year. And and they beat you in so many different ways. And by the way, I think their defense is pretty solid too. Not outstanding, but pretty solid. And so a lot of this comes down to, now look, last week, um, Ennis... Ennis was able to run the ball. Um, Ennis was able to run the ball. Uh, and so that's going to be the big thing for Timberview is can they slow down the running attack? Because that's where it all starts for Timberview. They've got to run the ball to set up uh, Simeon Evans, like on play action. That's where it's got to start. So my question is, can can Timberview slow down, uh, slow down Lovejoy? Or I'm, I'm sorry, can Timberview run the ball as effectively as they did last week? Uh, if they do that, then they're going to have a, an option here. But I think this game is really interesting. If you if you like the hot hand theory, Timberview's the one who's not supposed to be here, right? Mm-hmm. Timberview's the Timberview's the darling here. Lovejoy, not necessarily a surprise that they're here. I would say Timberview was who'd they beat in the first round? Timberview beat um, it was, it was Kimball, Dallas Kimball. Oh, Kimball. Okay, never mind. Um, but their one loss yeah. on the year is to Alito. They can hang with anybody, and they hung with Alito. I think this is a really interesting game uh, at uh, out there at Globe Life Park, and I think that a lot of this comes down to whether or not um, whether or not Timberview can run the ball as effectively as they did last week. That's that's what I think is gonna it's gonna come down to. And if they, I mean, it'll help to be plus three in the turnover margin too. But a great game there uh, Thursday morning at Globe Life Park. All right, what is your third and final pick? I guess I'm going to go with the game that, uh, you know, you left, you left it on the board for me, Tepper. Uh, I'm going to go with the number one team in 5A Division One, mm-hmm. Denton Ryan Raiders, taking on the Longview Lobos Saturday at 2 o'clock at beautiful Mesquite Memorial Stadium where the hospitality is through the roof. Huh. Uh, and, yeah, Denton Ryan last week, you know, they, they played a good college station team. I heard you uh, on the podcast with the, the Brian College Station Eagle staff. And uh, mm-hmm. before the game, and I, and we all kind of thought Denton Ryan was going to blow College Station out, and College Station pulls off and returns the opening kickoff for a touchdown, and I'm like, oh, okay, game on. Yeah. And then Denton Ryan scored 52 straight points, 60, 600 yards of offense. <laughs> uh, Seth Hennigan, yeah, throws for 300 yards and four touchdowns. Jatavian Sanders, 200 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Just you know, just another day at the office for the Ryan Raiders, and that. And that that it's, incredible, it's incredible team they have. So um, I was, you mentioned it. I was on the the Brazos uh, sports prep cast with, um, oh geez, uh, uh, Ab- uh, Abigail and was, Alex. I, I met Abigail on a Thursday. She's very, okay. very nice, very nice yeah. lady. She's she very was, sweet. she was, she was very, very. Both of them were great. And they asked me on the podcast. They're like, so tell us a little about Dent and Ryan. What makes them so good? And I think I said, well, you see, they, they, they do this thing where they got all these really good football players and, uh, and then they just go out there and win. (laughs) It's crazy. Um, it's it's weird. You have all these, all these monsters that just go out and just beat the hell out of you. Yeah. Um, and so that is, that, that was one thing. And, and, and they, they looked, they looked the part, but I'll tell you, the other team looked the part too. Yeah. Longview. I'll tell you what. Uh, 
I thought they would beat Lancaster. It's a little concerned. Yeah, we about were on the, uh, I was a little concerned about Lancaster's schedule because it just had, they hadn't been punched in the mouth all year, and I mm-hmm. knew Longview would punch them in the mouth. There's no question about that. And uh, did not expect fifty six to twenty though. So I think that tells you that John King's ball club is rounding into form at the right time. And uh, Caden Meredith and Jalen Hale are a big time. And I thought their sophomore quarterback uh, had one of his best games of the year. Um, I think the I I don't have any doubts that Longview is going to be in this game. Denton Ryan I don't think is going to blow Longview out. Longview's too talented, too good. They're too physical. They have too much pride. They're going to play yeah. Denton Ryan tough. They're going to scrap. They're going to get dirty. But I just think at some point Denton Ryan's talent is just – I think I just feel like they're going to overwhelm Longview. I think in the second half they're going to pull away. There's too many playmakers there. And I think the Raiders yeah. uh, you know, are the team to beat in, in the 5A Division One. And I think – I feel like they're going to pull away and get a you know, fairly comfortable 14 to 17 point win. I think that you're probably right that at some point the talent takes over and there's just – and like – all due respect to Longview, he's got some dudes. And, you know, I love Cade Meredith. That that Jalen Hale, there were a bunch of our buddies who are in the recruiting sphere out at that game because, needless to say, because of Lancaster and Longview and, you know, there are a bunch of, bunch of prospects out there. And they all came away saying, this Jalen Hale kid is a ludicrous specimen. Um, yeah. And, and so I, I got a lot of respect for those guys. But there is there does come a point where there's too much talent on the field and there's too many guys that you have to deal with and too many different options for one team. And that's why I think you're dealing with here with Ryan. And I'm sure we'll talk about this next week. Uh, if, if these shake out the way that they are supposed to, if, or well, that we project, because uh, the other regional semifinal here is uh, Highland Park versus Frisco Lone Star, which is a rematch of the game that, uh, Highland Park lost. I think we both. Uh, is it fair to say we both project the Highland Park to win that game? Yes. Okay. So that would give us Highland Park and Lane and, and Denton Ryan. And here's a preview of that game for what we're going to talk about maybe next week, which is uh, this all comes down to whether or not Highland Park is in Denton Ryan's head. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It comes down to that 100%. Yeah. So anyway, that's an excellent pick. All right. I'm going to round it all out. <laughs> yeah. I know what I'm going to do. Matt Step. Let's go Saturday night at McLean Stadium in Waco. And it's been a minute since I've done this, but here it goes. As the Spring Lions take on the DeSoto Eagles. And if you're looking at this game and you're thinking, well, I've heard of DeSoto and I ain't ever heard of Spring, so I'm going to take DeSoto buddy (laughs) allow me to try to change your mind (laughs) i I, i'm gonna be at this game saturday night i'm fired up for this one this is super interesting first of all let's talk about desoto last week uh guys (laughs) they had me worried they had me worried they were down 12 in the second half but i want to give claude math and the coaching mathis and the coaching staff some credit because they take a lot of crap uh, in the media and, and on message boards and on Twitter, I thought they made some great second half adjustments, yeah. especially late, and in to help their team win that game. So I want to do that because they they made the adjustments late to win a tough ball game. I, mean, I think I think Rockwall uh, obviously is a good team, but I mean we were they, when it was twenty seven to fifteen, it was it got pretty. Uh, you know, there was a uh, you know, yeah, a little, little lemon booty going on there. A little lemon booty going down there and on there on I twenty, and but. 
look, they pulled through. The defense came up with big plays because defense was like a lot of what happened is that they basically stopped Rockwell from running the ball. They basically tightened that up. And once they did that, they made Rockwell one dimensional and they DeSoto was just more athletic on the outside. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, okay, good. We got this in, in control. Samari Collier made a couple of big plays. They were able to come back and beat Rockwall 30 to 27. Okay. Well, here is a team that in spring that I think is really interesting. And I'll go this far. I think they're coming off of a win that kind of profiles like DeSoto in Klein Oak. Very much so. Because Klein Oak is a team that is uh, has a, has pretty solid defense. They got dudes in the in the, in the secondary, especially. That is a team that I think is really interesting. And for probably the second time this year, DeSoto, the other being when they played Cedar Hill, DeSoto's going to play a team that can probably match up with them on the outside. Because mm-hmm. uh, Spring's got some dudes. And by the way, I know you mentioned this. I think you mentioned this on the podcast last week or the week four sometime. But Bishop Davenport, the quarterback for spring, that kid's a baller. Yes, he he's one of the most underrated junior quarterbacks in the state of Texas. He's really excited to see him play. I, I think this game really comes down to – I think DeSoto is going to move the football on spring. I think mm-hmm. Samari Collier is playing really well. They've got dudes on the outside. This game comes down to can spring match DeSoto. And, and the biggest question is – how does Spring deal with uh, Byron Murphy and, and uh, Shamar Turner on the defensive line for DeSoto? Yeah, if they I, can find a way to neutralize those two, there are plays to be had against the DeSoto secondary. And mm-hmm. I think the the way to do that is quick passes. Sure, you know DeSoto sometimes plays a little bit of a loose man defense, and I think if Spring, you know, if Davenport gets the ball out quick on some stop routes, some screens, uh, some quick developing plays, some hitches, um, I think that's where. They can use that as an extension of their running game and move the football into Soto and neutralize uh, the strength of the Soto defense, which is the defensive line. Right. I think that's I think that's probably right. And so a lot of this comes down to that that spring spring offensive front. If they can play that, if they can hold up well enough, especially to let them run the ball a little bit, then it's going to be it's going to be game on there in Waco. And and this is one of those games that I think I think people are not talking enough about spring. I think. You know, frankly, I don't think people ever talk enough about what Spring ISD does, whether it's Westfield, Decaney, or Spring High. I think mean, spring, spring definitely is a victim of getting overlooked by Westfield because of yes, Westfield. I think that's definitely the truth. So, really interesting game Saturday night there in Waco at McLean Stadium. So there you go. There's our regional semifinal draft. Step took Katie Tompkins and Galena Park North Shore. Then he took Red Oak and Lubbock Coronado. And then he took Denton Ryan and Longview. I took uh, Austin Vandegrift in San Antonio Brenham. Then I took uh, Lovejoy and Mansfield Timberview, and I rounded it out with DeSoto and Spring. Apologies to Katie and Shadow Creek, which is very potentially interesting and also very potentially not. You I know? Think, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I, I kind of, I'm going to, that's my, so I, I'm, I'll, I'll go to my schedule in a minute, but uh-huh. I'm not going to be at that game. But I plan on having that web streamed uh, on my tablet in the press box. A little, you know, I'm 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 thinking I may have, you know, if it gets ugly, I'll punch out of that and go to go to a different game. But I I kind of had that same vibe. I'm hoping it's really good, but I have a feeling it could get ugly. Um, 
apologies to both 6A Division II Region 2 games, both Cedar Hill and Tomball Memorial, which is really interesting, and the one before it, Rockwell, Heath, and Bridgeland. You're going to be there, right? Hashtag Maximum Bears. Hashtag Maximum Bears. And dude. We are getting that trending on Saturday, by the way. I'm, every, every tweet, I'm putting hashtag Maximum Bears in it. Thank you. And dude, pointsy. Pointy, 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 pointy. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's going to be a lot of points in that. Yep. Uh, apologies to do, 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 Cedar Park, New Braunfels, Canyon. I guess a lot of that depends on whether or not you think Canyon would have beaten Peyto. Um, I think Cedar Park's going to hammer New Braunfels, Canyon. Dude, I think Cedar Park. I think so they're going to be. What they did to Foster? <laughs> yes. Dude. Uh, I think they're going to be at ATT. Yeah. Um, now, Ooh, I don't know if they're beating Ryan if Ryan gets there, but. I'm here, I'm here for it. I'm here for that game. I am very here. Uh, Victoria West Corpus Christi Flower Bluff. Apologies to them. Apologies to another super interesting game, which is Crosby and Huntsville. Crosby has already slayed one of the defensive juggernauts in uh, Region 3. Can they do it again? Uh, and, apo- and, Bobino. and apologies to Leander Rouse and Liberty Hill. What I tell you about Liberty Hill, y'all? Dude. Slot T is the devil, and their defense is playing lights out. Dude, that was... That was, I mean, I like I said, I picked Liberty Hill to win. I think they're the best team in that region. I'm picking them to, to win the region. But holy cow, dude. I did not see... Uh, 41 nothing. 41 nothing coming. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's shocking. Anyway, so there you go. Uh, all right, so where are you going this week? I think we kind of nailed it. Uh, Thursday, I'll be at Globe Life Park all day. Uh, all three games, as I'll be at Lovejoy, Mansfield, Timberview at 11. Highland Park and Frisco Lone Star at 315. And the Christmas Eve nightcap, Arlington Martin and South Lake Carroll. Mm-hmm. And then Friday. Very interesting night, yeah, nightcap. Friday, I'll just be hanging out, you know, not doing much of anything. And then Saturday, because my wife's in Canada and I can't go to Canada, COVID. Uh, and then Saturday, I will be in Waco for uh, the one o'clock game at McLean Stadium, uh, Bridgeland and Rockwall Heath, hashtag Maximum Bears. And then the nightcap Saturday night, DeSoto and Spring. Love it. Love it. Should be a good schedule. I'm going to stream all those stinking games. So there you go. Uh, all right. That's going to do it. Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas football. And by the way, oh, here's the other thing. This is the only podcast this week. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're down to one podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, until the title games. So we've got three weeks of one podcast, and then yep. title games will do the two. So, you know. Anyway. All right. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider. And Steph, thanks for your courage. Thank you. Talk to you next week on Tap and Step.